Hello and welcome to episode 70 of Pixel Sift. My name is Gianni and joining me this week are my co-hosts, Mitch and Scott. Guys, thanks for coming back for another week for 70 episodes in a row now. I like your shirt. Hello, hello. Bright and yellow and wearing the Pixel Sift colours. Uh, if this is your first Pixel Sift, each fortnight we tackle the topics and issues that are making the news in gaming. Um... And we talk to people from the Australian and New Zealand uh, games industry to kind of find out why they do what they do. This week, we're joined by Dr. Jennifer Hazel. She's one of the co-founders of the gaming mental health organization, Checkpoint. Jen, thanks for joining us today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. We're uh, looking forward to hearing all about what you have been working on. We're going to draw on your expertise in games and mental health for, throughout this episode today. Uh, but we're going to be chatting about some other stuff as well. It's, in the middle, we'll be talking about your crowdfunded uh, s- uh, video series that's coming up. But first up, Mitch, what are we checking out today? Yeah, so I'll be taking a closer look at game addiction. Why do some of us have trouble putting down the controller? And lastly, we'll be talking developer burnout. Is it possible to be too committed to your project? I think we all know the answer to that, but right now, (laughs) let's jump straight in. You're listening to PixelSift, or you might be watching PixelSift on Twitch. PixelSift. I miss James. (laughs) <laughs> He's, James is in the background, obviously, for people who, who generally don't get to hear him. Go yeah. on. What, what are we talking about today, Mitch? So, um, other than James, um, we're, we're all passionate about games. Every person in this room can admit to spending hours in the grip of our favorite digital pastime. But what, what some people have trouble pulling away. So, I've, never, I've, I've been fortunate enough to never really suffer from this at all. But I have been very committed to a game recently. That's Horizon Zero Dawn, which I just platinumed. Hmm. But um, I thought I'd uh, throw to you, um, <clears throat> Jen, what do you think is the telltale sign that someone is addicted to games? Um, it's, there's a, a few diagnostic criteria that are kind of being thrown around now, and most of them are about how much time is being spent not using the game in general, but how much time is spent using it when they're supposed to be doing something else. Um, so we call it how functional that person's being are they contributing in the way that they're used to are they going to work are they having a shower are they doing all those kind of basic life things that you would expect from someone and if one part of that is lacking then you could think well perhaps their priorities are um warped in a way that they're not able to to function anymore so can you be a functional gamer versus a non-functional gamer yep that's that's the that's the beauty of it is that you can play for a hundred hours a week if you want, but as long as you're doing everything else that you're supposed to do, I, I don't think that would be difficult because there's not really a hundred extra hours in the week after work. But um, as long as you're doing everything else you're supposed to do, and as long as you're fulfilling all of your kind of areas of well-being socially and psychologically and physically, like you're still getting exercise and you're happy and you're seeing your friends and your family. You can play as much as you want. It's all about balance. One of the things I really remember, um, p- personally from my perspective, I think that I have a quite a, a, like a focused and I will become very uh, 
uh, like I'll, I'll become obsessed with particular things. Um, and one of the things I remember was when a game called Battlefield 1943 came out, and it was just a it's a multiplayer shooter, very much like the rest of the Battlefield series. But I was kind of competing with my friend who was probably a little bit better than me, and I was spending sort of crazy amounts of time in order to kind of beat him. And I actually luckily had a, a moment where my friends kind of said hey, you've got to step away from the game now because you're playing too much um, and let's go do something else. Unfortunately, they took me to go see the first G.I. Joe movie, so that really felt like it was a waste of time. Um, but, you know, there was that moment where it was kind of like it became quite clear that I was spending too much time doing this particular thing. And I remember in, in high school as well when the GTA series came out, oh, playing yeah. Vice City, uh, I, I've spent many days. Actually, I would basically come home from school, play until the morning um, and then go to school uh, again and then do that I did that for about three days in a row until the point where I got to uh, it was like some afternoon I couldn't do anything had p- completely not slept for about 36 hours or something to that effect and I just couldn't remember getting home I just remember being in bed at one point and I thought no that's enough let's put that away now and, and, and go from there so I think it's really valuable I, and, I, and uh, Jen I'm hoping you can kind of give us a bit more things about uh, a bit more information about how to sort of break these cycles if, they, if it seems like people can acknowledge that they're having a, uh, an issue with, with playing too many games um, whether you think like friends and family is, is a good way to kind of you know f- have that bar and say whether we're doing too much or, or if it's okay uh, I think it's it's the same as any form of addiction really is that sometimes you'll be able to recognise it and sometimes not but being aware of the signs is really important and also being aware of the gaming addiction specific signs and addiction specific signs so like if someone calls you out on it do you get annoyed um do you feel guilty about how much you play do you feel that you're kind of craving it during other parts of your life and you're not enjoying other things as much um and being aware of those things is really important and kind of checking in with yourself but at the end of the day you know adults have to be autonomous and we all have to take responsibility for our own issues. One of the things I I wanted to sort of check check with you is that you know, a lot of uh, games are sort of designed for this quick, repetitive gameplay loop where they can um, you encourage people to come back as many times as possible. And do you think game, uh, game developers sort of have a responsibility to make sure that they aren't creating something that is too repetitive, too addictive, ticking that box too much? Or do you think it is a, a personal responsibility sort of issue? Do you think that the people who make alcohol are responsible for the people who get addicted to alcohol? Good point. Same with cigarettes. Mm. So there, there is, there is uh, an obligation to um, educate, I think, but ultimately the responsibility for that is on the player. Um, and I, I think the difficult question there is, is not um, just whether is it the game that they're playing, it's why are they playing it as well. So some somebody could be having a really beneficial time playing one game whereas someone else would get addicted to it um and whose responsibility is that it's it's a tough one to say i think i think that the line is drawn when games are being designed specifically to be addictive so that they can exploit the player that's a different thing completely well alcohol and you know uh, cigarettes for example have legislation to kind of protect people who are sort of perceived to be at risk do you think that we sort of need governments to step in? Is this something that, um, you know, as this industry develops, that maybe people should be ha- taking a look at, at what that actually means for, for people in these sort of, uh, I guess, more susceptible groups? They are. It's already happening. What, what sort of, you know, what sort of things <laughs> can you... 
kind of well we can we can diagnose gaming addiction there's treatment clinics we're doing research into how you can like measure that and what treatments are available it's something that you know that it's already happening but do you think we need to have some sort of you know warning warning package on your your app store saying that you know this thing may you know <laughs> maybe dangerous maybe dangerous yeah. or, or uh, consume no, responsibly well, there, there are already, you know, it's called parental controls. Oh, um, but beyond that, we would need evidence to suggest that something on the app store could be addictive. Otherwise, it's just kind of scaremongering, you know? Like, it, it think about how, how it took centuries for people to realize that we needed to put labels on alcohol. Mm. Um, same with, you know, most most things that are addictive that aren't illegal. Yeah. Uh, the, the legislation has to match the risk, and the risk at the moment is very, very low. Um, I saw a couple of recent studies uh, concerning the ties between video game addiction and uh, depression, and there was uh, quite an uh, alarming correlation between the two. I think they were published in the journal Pediatrics and the Archives of Pediatric and Adolescent Medicine. Um, and the problem I, th- I think there is, uh, or I see this, and Jen, please. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like I feel that in that situation, addiction in video games could be hiding uh, like their other undiagnosed issues. Um, mm. Personally, any for me, I have used video games plenty in my time to fill holes in my life of, and and happiness. Even you know, it's easy to sit down and kind of tune out for a bit, especially with online friends. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, it's, it's the same with quite a lot of behaviours. Mm. Um, a lot of coping mechanisms are due to something that's underlying and. Uh, again, there's something that we need to do a lot more research on about the comorbidity of gaming addiction versus other mental health issues that are happening simultaneously and what's the chicken and what's the egg. Could these social, now the games are more social, could that be helping break people of the game addiction or could it be contributing to the fact that they are getting a very social experience online, you're not really looking for it offline, that kind of thing? Uh, what, what do you mean like now? As in, as in, since games have become more social, people are kind of getting that, getting their social yeah. needs filled online instead of going outside and doing Game, that. Games yeah. have always been social. I was in like, as in, like, as in, like the last ten years, they've become much more connected and with like, with the state and rise of yeah. the quality of the internet and speeds and computers, etc. Online multiplayer games have come a lot more prominent, I guess, in the last fifteen years. I, I guess is what you're trying to get at, yeah, I, yeah. I, compared to the single player games of twenty, thirty years ago. Oh, I, I mean, well, we disagree there because games <laughs> were originally designed to be multiplayer. Sure. Um, you know, when you say twenty, thirty years ago, that's that's not even. Like that that's that's post NES. Mm, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so like way back in the day. Yeah, playing um, like text based. For two, you know, like games were designed to be a social experience. But beyond that, I know, I know what you're saying, you're talking about the the Yeah, I, I was thinking of Mern of online, yeah. I guess I was I was not being very broad. Yeah. Of the research that's already happened has been about MMOs and specifically Warcraft and it depends what mm-hmm. the, the bias of the researcher is by the looks of things. Um so the, there's been evidence to suggest that the the friendships and, and relationships that you make online can be as um, fulfilling as those that you have in real life. Um, but then there's also research to suggest that people are um, not developing important social skills because they're preferencing one over the other. Um, it's 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 a I don't I don't know that if there's one answer to that question. It's a it's a big topic. Mm. 
Well, look, uh, you know, there's there's plenty of things to discuss here. And I guess, obviously, you know, a lot of opinions out there about different uh, levels of, of game addiction and where, where this sort of thing can kind of occur, whether it's a problem, whether it's not, exactly where someone becomes, you know, a, a functional gamer or if it becomes a an abnormal behaviour. Um, but right now, let's jump into our next topic. Did you know PixelZip is available on other platforms? You can find previous episodes on iTunes, Pocket Casts, YouTube, and on the PixelZip website. So if you just joined us, we're joined by Dr. Jennifer Hazel, who is one of the co-founders of Checkpoint, which is a gaming mental health organization. Jen, if people haven't heard of Checkpoint before, it's kind of hard if you're in the Australian uh, games industry because it seems like you're involved with lots of great projects <laughs> and lots of great things. What is it and, and why were you sort of prompted to, to start this charity? It's a non-profit organisation that connects mental health resources with video games and technology. And it started because I saw that there was a need that wasn't being met in the local industry. And every time we talked about mental health in a public forum, People were all for it. Um, the support was so significant and it was something that clearly wasn't being looked after in this community. So we decided to fill that gap and do what wasn't yet being done. Was there a particular case that you observed that really drove you into action to create such an organisation? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I love games. So... Yep. Um, and my job was as a psychiatrist, so every time I spoke about my job in gaming communities, it was, you know, just so well received that it made me realise, well, what if I could have a life where I combine the two things I love most? Um, and, and now that's what I do, so I'm really lucky. Obviously, there's been a big need for this sort of, of thing. The reason why you're having, you know, you're running a crowdfunding campaign at the moment, Kickstarter, it's going quite well. Um what are some of the sort of, uh, you know, uh, things that we should be thinking about as gamers uh, in terms of mental health um, that you'd love to, to sort of, you know, clear up some of the misinformation on? Or, or as uh, game developers, what are some of the things that you'd like to see sort of good practices for good mental health if you're making games? In terms of developers, representation of mental illness and, and in terms of the consumers of the games, um, not believing everything you see in a game is really important. I do talks all over the world about the representation of certain mental illnesses, particularly psychotic illnesses, because it's just so grossly inaccurate in the vast majority of games and is perpetuating a really significant stigma. And I'd love to see that improved because it would assist the lives of people everywhere. Uh, we got a couple of questions from people viewing. Um, so basically, uh, Limbot wants to know, online games are a source of comfort, but it's no secret they are often a place of hostility. Do you think that this might change or what might change it? This isn't a question for a mental health person, I think. It, it's, that's, it's more of a sociological phenomenon, you know? That pe people get these, these topics mixed up a lot, um, like the whole mental health, therefore that's why people are mean thing. Um, but I think there's, there's something else completely going on there about the power of anonymity and hiding behind a computer screen and what makes people say things like that in the first place. And I think that's what needs to be addressed. All right, no worries. I'll try and, uh, okay, I'll pick one. I'll pick a different one. Uh, Limbot also asks, uh, so just did my bit for the Checkpoint Kickstarter. How, has she found, how have you found the process so far in Kickstarter in organizing something like this? What specifically about it? 
Oh, um, I guess um, they might be wondering how are there pros and cons for um, doing this non-traditional method of funding that you found personally? Uh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> I've dedicated my life to it full time for a long time. Um, it, it, but it's also really lovely to see the support of the community simultaneously. So it's, it's definitely worth it. Cool. Jen, one one of the things that um, I was watching your uh, talk that you did at, at Play by Play. Um, and yeah, sure. You were talking about um, some of the the issues with people who are quite often in the, especially in the Australian scene where there isn't. Um, there's a lot, sort of a mix between a, a mid indie to sort of semi professional to professional, but it it's not quite like the American scene, for example. Um, you know, there is this sort of passion that people put into their into their projects and um, your talk at play by play was all about avoiding crunch and and burning out and making sure that you can kind of balance out your your work so that you you can kind of do that do you think um that is this just a is that something that as developers kind of get further down the path and become more experienced this sort of project management will become easy to sort of manage or is this something that um you see all over the world in every sort of industry and, and, and oh, sorry, every level of industry? It's specifically in games. Well, I'm just talking about in terms of like people who are working in a passion project and, you know, are pouring their, their heart and soul into it and, and maintaining mm. a, a life balance that is, is healthy. And Oh, well, I only work in games. Um, I mean, like I work in, in it, I work in an inpatient unit in a hospital as my full-time job. Um, so I only see the local community there. And then other than that, I work in games. But within the gaming community, yes, it's... It's everywhere, and I think it's a cultural thing because it's quite a new industry and because it's very labour-intensive um, and because it's making a lot of money. So the people who want that money are forcing the people who make the games to achieve things that sometimes isn't really feasible. Um, and like all of the other industries that have gone through a cultural change to try and stamp out crunch um this is something that the games industry will, will, will slowly i hope learn to adopt much better practices to keep their their team safe and well so why did you decide to go for a video series i know you've been done, doing a number of uh, articles on the website um done some profiles on some characters in games what is it about video you think that would help you get your sort of message across and and, and why did you decide to put that together uh, I, I talk all over the world. Um, I spoke at GDC this year. I spoke. I was the keynote at Indiecade, um, Game New in LA last year. Um, and every time I do this talk, I have so many people say that they wish that they could have seen it or that it helped them in some way. And given that gaming and the gaming community is so present online and given that our entire mission statement at checkpoint is let's connect mental health resources with technology i figured what would be a better solution to that than making a web series so that anyone could consume it at any time any place in a way that they wanted at their own pace and it would connect them with the resources that they needed without um you know any pressure on them i think that's what the community needs is is that understanding and those resources that are available um, to them as opposed to them having to go out and get them, which traditionally has been, there's a lot more steps to it, particularly in games when no one talks about this stuff anyway. 
how has this sort of conversation changed since you started working uh, with Checkpoint and um, to, to sort of the, the feel and the, and the conversations that people are having now about games and mental health? There's more of it, which is always lovely. It's, it's really nice to be at that stage where two years ago there was one panel at PAX Oz once about mental health and then there was a long period where every panel in the country at any convention about mental health had me on it. And now those conversations are happening independently of um, of Checkpoint's input. And I think that that's wonderful that, that people are starting to talk about this more and more and more and more um, because that's the power, that that's what's going to change things. Have you found that the games industry is, uh, I guess, are they quite good at, at talking about this sort of thing? Um, I know mental illness is something that, or even, uh, you know, it's something that is generally not hugely spoken about in sort of Western cultures. Um, is, it, is it better and worse or is it similar? How has uh, the games industry kind of taken to this? Wait, what, what was that, that we don't talk about mental health in Western culture? Well, I mean... Is that what you said? No, I'm just saying is it's, you know, people talking about mental health. Speaking from my own experience, you know, my one of my immediate family members, for example, uh, had a mental illness. And for a long time, it was a, there was quite, I felt quite a stigma about talking about that. Mm. And I'm just wondering if, if, is it something that you found that gaming as an industry is kind of set up for, because there is a lot of collaboration and a lot of online collaboration between uh, different game developers around the world. Do you think they're in a good position to kind of make some good strides in this area? Uh, I think that games are incredibly influential, that they're a highly consumed medium that has powers to um, strongly uh, affect the way that people think and feel and the way that people behave around each other and that therefore they're the perfect medium to actually talk about and, and educate about these issues and even treat them. Uh, that they, They've got an enormous potential. Like in their very nature, they're motivating. That, that that's that They're designed to be motivating. So in their design, they are a medium that can communicate and teach and treat. Uh, what, are, what are some of your favourite games that address mental illness well? Life is Strange is really good at doing it. Oh, I like Life is Strange um, very much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just, what I really love about it is how how much of a non-issue it makes it in terms of like it's a part of everyday life and it, it broaches those issues so sensitively when they come up. It's really powerful, that game. Uh, and there, there's a few games that have been made specifically to kind of um, almost like often as a catharsis for the developer. And I think they're really good at communicating how people have experienced certain conditions to one another. So Papo and Yo was really cool. Um, and there's a few others that are quite similar to that. Um, we, we, we write articles on Checkpoint about games that are useful for or feature mental health in some way. I remember playing through um, Zoe Quinn's uh, Depression Quest as well, and that was sort of a very interesting way to kind of experience someone's personal sort of journey um something very interesting now jen if people want to find out a bit more about the the, the kickstarter that you're currently running and if they want to get involved and, and help you out where's the best place for them to find out more information uh you could go to checkpoint.org.au um and there's a landing page with the link to the kickstarter right there i could read out the url to the kickstarter but you'd be very bored because it's quite long <laughs> you can find a link it's called the checkpoint series 
If this uh, Kickstarter kind of, you know, it's it's on trend to do very well to reach its goal, um, what sort of things would you like to sort of expand it out into? Where would you like to, to take it further and, and what other things would you like to tackle? We're, we're, we're looking to take over the world, really. We've got all sorts of stuff going on. Um, it would be great if we could do more than 16 episodes of the web series and get even more people from the industry involved and contribute in their stories. Um, we're looking to develop therapeutic games. We're currently doing research, which I would encourage the audience to participate in. Um, at, you can go, again, on the Checkpoint homepage. There's a landing page that sends you straight to the research. Um, so we're we're just kind of sitting at that space between mental health and games and doing everything we can to promote positive well-being while simultaneously promoting the beneficial use of games. Well, look, uh, we've kind of run out of time today, so uh, we're not going to have much of a chance to talk about uh, third topic, which is kind of talking about the sort of crunch, but we did kind of touch on it slightly there. Um, there's a really good uh, video uh, that you can watch from the play-by-play, which goes through all of the uh, sort of symptomatic and the productivity and economic reasons why uh, crunch and developer burnout is, is a bad thing. Um, and uh, so, Jen, before we finish off, um, bef- before we go, um, what are some other resources other than your website that people can explore that would help them out with the mental illness that you might suggest? I think Reach Out Australia is is one of the best resources. We we collaborate with them quite closely and they're amazing. Um, we also uh, work with Headspace, which is a mindfulness meditation app. Um, and we, we have subscription keys that we can give to people who, who need them. So please do get in touch if you feel like you'd benefit from one of those. There's also, if you're battling addiction, turn to help.com.au uh, and also uh, Beyond Blue if you're struggling to cope good things there very good resources we'll put up links to that on our website which is www.pixelsift.com.au scott we have a bunch of other episodes as well we've got 69 of them that we do uh you can find them at facebook.com forward slash pixel sift twitter.com forward slash pixel sift twitch.tv forward slash pixel sift and youtube.com forward slash pixel sift au and mitch uh you can find us on social media as well can't you yep so you can also go to our website as well and you can also find out about no i forgot where we are so yeah we have a facebook and a website twitter and RSS all that fun stuff on our page. and the rss link on our page and we go live every fortnight that's it so we will be putting up all the links to checkpoint you can get on there and back the kickstarter as well absolutely uh, uh, dr jen hazel thank you very much for joining us today we really uh, appreciate your insight into this and looking forward to the t- video series coming up you're welcome thank you so much thanks jen thanks and thank you there. for everybody viewing on twitch thank you for your questions i'm sorry i didn't really get to all of them See you then. Bye.